Hey, podcasters, great, great show today. We start again with Elon Omar because she's got a, don't you think, Pat, a pretty good explanation. Yeah, yeah. Some wild coincidences going on there. Really crazy. Yeah, I'm glad she explained it, though. It makes a lot of sense now. Later in the podcast, the 12th Imam shows up, (laughs) uh, and uh, he's speaking to us us from the well that he fell in in 873. Um, But he also mentioned Elon Omar. You don't... You don't want to miss that. We explain what's happening in Iran with Saudi Arabia. Um, giving you analysis on that, I don't think anybody else does. Nick DiPaolo was on today. Hysterical. Man, that guy's funny and brave. He, and brave. He's brave. Brave, brave, brave. Uh, you don't want to miss this. It might be his last appearance anywhere. Uh, Nick DiPaolo uh, on today's broadcast and podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. China has just released 10,000 metric tons of pork from its central reserves this week in a bid to stabilize soaring pork prices and cope with swine fever crisis that has wiped out roughly one third of its pigs. That's pretty amazing. So they have... Hmm. They have 10,000 metric tons of pork that they're releasing. That's not their entire central reserve. Now, I know we have a strategic oil reserve. Do we have pork reserves? <laughs> not that I know of. I don't think so. How, how long can you keep pork well, on it's reserve? Frozen. It's frozen. It's frozen pork. Can you do that indefinitely, though? I mean, eventually oh. you got to eat that stuff or it's going to... I mean, even frozen, you wouldn't want to keep it for... Years, I don't know. Would you? I don't. I don't think so. But I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they cycle through it. Like maybe. we have to cycle through our oil reserves. Don't I think we? you'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think you you just cycle. That's a pretty good idea that you have pork reserves. Yeah. What I'd like to know is, do we have ice cream reserves? <laughs> do we? Have, what? Do, what else could we have? I don't want to just live on pork. Things go to hell in a handbasket. I mean, we need pudding. You know, definitely need pudding. We need pudding. We need pudding. Yeah. Ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream. Pudding. Pudding. I can't think of anything else that I would. Pudding. Pudding. Yeah. Ice cream. Who doesn't think we need at least 10,000 tons of pudding? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. At least. Imagine pumping that out of the ground. (laughs) Don't worry. We've got pudding. Uh, Now, there is is this story that I find really, really immoral. I find this, I find the people who are making people feel this way immoral. Now, may I ask you, I was the the perpetrator of of a giant con on the American people, and I was just trying to make them afraid. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really bad to be a fearmonger and to make people afraid. A growing body of evidence suggests climate change activists the world over are increasingly suffer from eco anxiety. Experiencing mental health episodes triggered by the stress of worrying about the Earth's pending doom from global warming. In order to combat, I mean, listen to that. Listen Mm. to that. 
In order to combat the condition, climate anxiety support groups are cropping up, according to the Daily Beast, and the seats are filling up. The Beast reported uh, the rise of climate anxiety groups in the U.S. calling the gatherings the new self-care. In order to meet the rise in demand, counselors and clinicians are getting trained up on how to treat this special group of Mm -hmm. patients, and I believe they are really special, who feel weighed uh, weighed down by the doom and gloom surrounding the movement. So here's here's what let me just let me finish it because I got to get to a couple of the quotes. More than 250 people now have participated in Good Grief, the 10-step eco-anxiety support program, which mimics the structure of Alcoholics Anonymous. Think of that. They need a program like AA to be able to control the fear that the Earth is doomed. Uh, Activist Lynn Wang told the outlet that she decided to launch a support group after becoming overwhelmed by the climate crisis last year. People would say, now listen to this, listen to the circle of friends. People would say, isn't it great that the world is ending in 12 years? What? Who would say that? Who would say that? Isn't it great the world is going to end in 12 years, but it's in the back of people's minds and it's constantly over our heads. There is a real fear for the next generation thinking about the future. I can't imagine planning for the future when we only have 12 years. This is immoral. What the media, what the politicians and everyone else is doing to our fellow citizens and humans. And so dangerous. What's going to happen when you haven't planned beyond 12 years? And then all of a sudden, we're beyond 12 years, and we're still here. Really dangerous. It is And there's so, a lot of people who believe it. They were, wholeheartedly. They are starting an eco-anxiety 12-step program. It's unbelievable. The press should probably question itself. I mean, even in the Daily Beast story, where is, where is the media at the Daily Beast saying, by the way... The world's not going to be over in 12 years. Right. Stop it. Which Stop the it. they keep citing keeps telling them, we didn't say that. It's not going to end in 12 years. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn. And if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. At the request of a number of committees of Congress and for reasons of transparency, the president of the United States has just directed the office of the director of national intelligence and the Department of Justice, including the FBI, to provide for the immediate declassification of the following materials. One, pages 10 through 12 and 17 through 34 of the June 2017 application to the FISA court in the matter of Carter Page. Two, all FBI reports of interviews with Bruce G. Orr prepared in connection with the Russian investigation. And three, all FBI reports of interviews compared, uh, prepared in connection with all Carter Page FISA applications. In addition, President Trump has directed the Department of Justice, including the FBI, to publicly release all text messages relating to the Russia investigation without redaction of James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and Bruce Orr. This is, this is 
significant. I want to bring uh, Jason Batrill in, who we're going to talk about a couple of things. Jason, uh, I'm going to get to Iran here in a second, but first, tell me the significance of of this. First off, the FISA applications, that's significant because that's what we've been asking for. It's like if, if anything went, went weird with that, like if, if uh, did the Fusion GPS thing, did that have anything to do with any of this, which was what we suspected, they denied. Um, yeah, now this is important. They denied that they used the Fusion GPS as the reason to get the FISA court to say, yes, you can spy on candidate Trump. Which goes through the, uh, the, the Trump dossier, uh, all of those things. The addition also linking Bruce Orr and the text messages with Comey. And uh, remind me, Bruce Orr. So Bruce Orr was the uh, he's, he was the DOJ. What was he? He was the, he was like the he was high up. He was and high his, up. In the DOJ, his so. wife is involved, right? She worked for Fusion GPS. Uh, she was a Russian translator. Right. She, she worked for Fusion GPS. Then she was uh, delivering information straight to Bruce Orr. Right. And then Bruce Orr was giving that information over to Comey and the gang. So this is what's what's incredible about this is this shows this may show we'll see all the declassifications, but I can't imagine the White House is releasing it if it doesn't. Uh, if it's incriminating. Yeah, yeah. If it's incriminating or just neutral. Um, it should show that uh, they did use Fusion GPS, uh, not anything uh, to do with. Uh, Carter Page. Carter Page, remember, they say, was an under, under investigation for something else. And already we were looking at Carter Page. We, Our research, if, if I remember this right, our research um, uh, showed that, no, that w- had been investigated and then already put to rest. Everybody thought he was just an imbecile. <laughs> Right? Literally, the Russia, they had investigated him before. Back, remember back during the Anna Chapman days? Yes. During that group? They were investigating him around then because he was just trying, he was like an energy guy and he was trying to get into like people involved with global energy. Mm-hmm. And there were two, K- or not KGB, there were two uh, Soviet SVR, like their former KGB, contacted Bruce Orr, reached out to him. And then they, the, I guess the NSA or the, somebody in the, some intelligence agency actually got phone intercepts of these Russian agents saying, that guy is a moron. So stay away from. Him. Literally, <laughs> right. that's that's pr- pretty much. There's a no way quote. we can use him. He's a moron. <laughs> so the okay. FBI said, "Okay, we're okay. We're moving on. He is not. He is no longer a person of interest." Right. But then, coincidentally, the FISA court says, "Oh, you can go back and look at him uh, because of those other things." And they've said it had nothing to do with his with, with the Russian uh, fusion. A GPS dossier on Trump has nothing to do with that. Really? Well, we're about to find out because we think it had everything to do with that. And even the things that we know of, of about the FISA application, this looked weird. They they kept saying, no, we didn't base it all on the Steele dossier. They said that we referenced it, but it wasn't like the, the main evidence. They also remember included a Yahoo News article. That said, now this journalist is on to something because he references stuff, the same, some of the same stuff that's in the, uh, dossier. the Trump dossier. But Well, that's because Christopher Steele delivered that journalist at Yahoo News the, the dossier. So, so they referenced the two things that were exactly the same thing. Right. They tried to make it look different. So the question is, did they say that to the judge? Because they said, no, we were absolutely clear with everything. Were you? So now we will find out. Now we'll find out. And Bruce Orr should be sweating some bullets. Oh, absolutely. And his and his wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's the real connection here. Yep. Is what did the wife feed the husband, and what did the husband 
feed the FISA courts. So it's surprising that this came out uh, today just out of the blue. Uh, but we'll, we'll see if anyone pays attention to it because everybody's, oh, everybody's defending the Kavanaugh story on the, on the left and everybody is defending the impeachment process uh, with the Kavanaugh story. I mean, there, there is no real news. There is no real news. I find the story of the, uh, of the climate change people having to go have therapy because they believe that the world is going to end in 12 years. I find that a real story. And I find that a mm-hmm. real story in this way. The media and the politicians are, they needed to have an enemy. They needed to have a bad guy to be able to take down capitalism. And so they invented, it's bigger than World War II, they invented their own Hitler. And their own Hitler is anything that hurts the climate. And they have scared people to the point to where they believe they only have 12 years to live. Imagine, imagine if I said to you that there is a cult where millions of people are now believing there's only 12 years to live and they're changing everything in their life. Because they believe this, do you think there would be an outcry from the left? You know there would, because there's been people like that. Yes, and, and there should be. And they've be. been mocked. There should be. And disparaged. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. And the press is responsible. Mm-hmm. But it's not just the press, it's the politicians as well. Mm-hmm. Up in New York, they are now allowing school children. Yeah, to go on, to go on strike Friday. Uh, school districts were debating what position to take. When uh, after New York City announced 1.1 million public school children could skip classes without any penalties to join the global youth climate strike on Friday. Unbelievable. One million kids are going to leave school on Friday. And, you know, half of them, three quarters of them just want to get out of school. Yeah. My kids, (laughs) if my kids came home and said their school was doing this and dad... I can leave school on Friday. I'd say, no, no, no. no. You're no. going to go to school on Friday, and we're leaving that school on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's enough, enough, enough. And you wonder why these kids are so propagandized, why they believe it so much, why they're so afraid, why they're scared out of their minds. Why they're, why they're committing suicide? There's right. nothing of importance. You have nothing to live for. Think of the message. Think of the message. You're telling them their world is burning up all around them. Yeah, and there is there's not going to be any food, there's not going to be any mm-hmm. there's not going to be any animals. There's there's the people are going to starve. It's going to be nonstop trees, you know, oxygen's being burned up. I mean, they, they've heard it all. I mean, that is terrifying. And then on top mm-hmm. of it, you have the real crisis of hey, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with freedom. And you can't say that that's, oh, well, see, that's the right conspiracy. Really? Is it? Is it? Because I hear that from the left as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't have, they don't know what their jobs are going to be like. They don't know if they're going to be able to even afford college or if they do, if it's going to be just going to just be an anchor around their neck. Can you imagine what it is like to be a kid in today's world? It's terrifying. Terrifying. It's got to be. Terrifying. Yeah. And they don't have the experience to know that, okay, I see through this nonsense. Uh, some of them do. Some of them can see through it because they hear both sides. Maybe their parents are, are, you know, helping to educate them. If you can think this through, 
I, I think you could be okay. But if you're not, if you're just accepting what your what your but teachers then, are telling you, if you think this through and you speak out, then you get the joy of being a pariah. That's true. Do too. you remember how hard yeah. it was to be in part of the in crowd when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. You didn't want to be a pariah. You just wanted to have friends. You wanted to be with the cool kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that takes real guts to stand up. And how many of us would have been able to do it? You just would have gone along with it, and you would have said, ah, oh, my parents, they're old, they don't get it, because that's what the media and the politicians are telling them to say. This is yeah. just, this is truly evil. What is going on mm-hmm. is truly evil. I read a story today about how the Democrats are trying just to create the image of chaos so people will say, I can't handle this with Donald Trump, that that's what these impeachment hearings really are all about. That it's just this mm. image of chaos and people will say, I just I just want a president who's not causing all this chaos, thinking because of their their friends in the media that they can control that and to make sure that the chaos is blamed not on the Democrats who are doing it intentionally, but on the president. What did I tell you when I read that story today? I saw the word chaos and I thought What did I tell you 10 years ago? 10 years ago, I said the word of the future is going to be chaos. And Mm -hmm. anyone, anyone who is trying to create chaos will be on the wrong side. Well, here we are. Who's creating confusion and chaos? Look at the New York Times, what they did just this week. They, they, They intentionally deleted information that would have made this accusation into what it actually is, a big bowl of nothing. But instead, they let that run, cause chaos for a few days, and then get let the Democrats get their chaos plan together and say, we got to go impeach. And it stops us from talking about the real issues that we really face. Try to find stories about what we should do with Iran. Try to find them in the mainstream media. You're going to be hunting for a while. What happened yesterday is so important. We should be talking about what we are to do with Saudi Arabia and Iran. Do you hear anybody really discussing this? No. You hear it's 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 uh, Donald Trump's fault because he pulled out of the treaty. Well, if this is true... What they said yesterday, let me bring Jason back in. He's former military intelligence. If this is true, it was done by the IRGC, which is the arm of the mullah, the military arm of the mullah. It doesn't have to go through politics. It goes right to the IRGC. And what the Saudis and America claimed yesterday, and apparently the proof is coming in the next couple of days, today and tomorrow, um, According to the proof that we have, that they say they have, it was fi- those missiles were fired from Iran. Uh, well, what do we do? What do we do, Jason? <laughs> the conv- conventionally, what do we do? It convent- the conventional response would be an automatic military strike from that we would do. Yeah, that's this. 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 You. We are now looking at a Beirut situation. If you don't act. Are you empowering them to continue these things? If you do act, are you starting a a global war with people that want a caliphate and the return of the 12th Imam?
Yeah, the, the, an attack was so problematic uh, for the Trump administration. You attack them, and Iran just threatened us with this. They said that we will respond to your retaliation, but not necessarily just in that area. Yeah. What they mean is all their militias they've planted all over the globe So one will be of the, activated. One of the things that we are also concerned about uh, is we look like we're going to do cyber attacks. Well, the more cyber attacks we do, the more likely it is for others to respond to us with cyber attacks. Cyber attacks could kill millions of people. There needs to be a start treaty on this. This is a weapon of mass destruction. Now, we might hit their nuclear power plant, but if you're a terrorist or you're Iran, you just hit our grid and shut it down. Look what happened in Venezuela. How many people in hospitals died? We're not talking about any of this because we have agents of chaos stirring things up about Kavanaugh and everything else. It's going to take great restraint. But you're, you, I urge you to stay focused on the things that actually matter. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Ken Paxton is the 51st Attorney General of Texas. Uh, he has He's one of the guys who, well, he started a special unit dedicated to com- combating human trafficking in Texas in the uh, first uh, year of existence. Uh, he helped arrest the chief executive officer of Backpage.com, the largest online sex trafficking marketplace in the United States. Uh, he filed suits on Obama for federal overreach 22 times. I think one, most of those. And he joins us now. Hi, Ken. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Glenn. How are you? Very good. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the attorney, uh, I mean, the uh, uh, the Google lawsuit that several states have filed and find out if this has any real teeth to it. Um, Google is is absolutely out of control, as you know, and I think we have very little time to actually get our arms around this uh, before they are just all powerful and there's nothing you can do. What does your lawsuit lay out, and what are the chances of changing Google at all? Well, first of all, it's pretty remarkable. It wasn't just a few states that joined this. It's an investigation. It's not a lawsuit yet. It's an investigation. And there are 50 different attorney generals that have joined on. So only only two states didn't join. That was California and Alabama. Hmm. So every other state found some concern. And so the way this starts off is that we are allowed to issue or call it uh, investigative demands. So we sent questions for Google, pages of questions about their how they advertise. And so, so many people think that the internet is free and that their searching is free. The reality is it's far from it. Google makes about $117 billion a year, and I don't fault them for making profits. But the, the problem that we have seen, the problem we're investigating is they control every aspect of advertising on the internet. From the buy, they represent the advertisers, they represent the sellers on the other side, the websites and the publishers, and then they also control the exchange and the negotiation between the two parties. So there's nothing they don't control, and from what we can see, they've eliminated competition mm-hmm. every time, either by buying them or finding a way to you know, create their technology so everybody's pushed out. 
So what do you say to the free market people who say, look, I, you know, why punish a company that's doing well? So I am a total free market guy, and I'm not here to punish Google for doing well. It, the founders of our country were worried about power being concentrated in the hands of too few people, and so they created a government that was divided, and they left the rest of the power to the state. But they were also worried about big banks, and they were worried about too much power concentration among large banks. And I think if they were here today, they would have some concern, and mm-hmm. I have some concern about you know, a few technology companies that you know, control too much of the market, and therefore our uh, consumers are, are at, at a detriment because right now, when you advertise, when these advertisers are paying a premium to advertise, the consumers think they're getting free searches. They're paying higher prices than they should for a lot of products because there's no competition in that marketplace. And, you know, I want a free market, and I'm not sure we have one right now. So are we going after any of the states concerned about uh, privacy and the collection of data and listening to people and all of that? Absolutely. It's, you know, we started off, we spent a lot of time talking to, you know, experts in technology. Uh, We spent a lot of time out in California just uh, talking to lawyers, talking to people that understood this. Uh, we started down this path of, of advertising because it, it relates to our powers as attorney generals. But if the facts lead us to, to privacy issues, then we'll, we'll, we'll follow that path as well. So what are you hoping that, that – what's the solution here with Google? So I try to go into investigations not presuming any particular remedy. Uh, I, we, want, we have a lot of information that we hope that Google will provide in, a, in an organized fashion. Uh, in the past, like Missouri looked – you know, on their own, when Josh Hawley, who's now a U.S. senator, was uh, the attorney general of, of Missouri, and Jim Hood, who was in Mississippi, they individually tried to look at Google, and, and Google just buried them with documents. And, you know, I'm hopeful that our thir- we, they have 30 days to respond to our request. They will provide an organized response, uh, specific responses to our questions that will help us determine whether we need to pursue uh, something further or not. Hmm. Um, let me uh, let me uh, change subjects. Yesterday, the president uh, came out and said that California doesn't have a right to ask for you know changes in cars and their own gasoline and everything else. Um, that's that's the Tenth Amendment. Doesn't Texas? If Texas wanted to say, "Hey, uh, GM, we don't accept those cars. We have to have you know, they all have to be fitted with a Texan defibrillator." Wouldn't the people of Texas have the right to do that? I am definitely a state's rights guy. I, I think the states uh, have a lot. They have all the authority that wasn't specifically granted to the federal government. So unless there's a specific uh, something that gives the, the federal government the power to preempt state law, I would argue that you know every state would have a right to, to deal with the manufacturers in the way that they see fit. Right. Um, the, the statement was that... Uh, uh, that we have a national car industry, and California doesn't have the right to uh, disrupt that. Well, we all know California tries to disrupt a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what they do. Uh, and in most cases, you know, they have a right to take their shot, and we have to figure out how to how, how we're going to respond because they control so much of the market. They do uh, they do sometimes you know affect the rest of the nation because you know every company will will sort of follow what California wants. So, you know, if, but that's their right. I mean, they, 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 
everything that wasn't specifically given to the federal government is reserved for the state. Uh, we're talking to Ken Paxton. He is the attorney general uh, for the state of Texas. And there is so much uh, going on, uh, <laughs> Ken, that I just don't even know where you even uh, begin. Um, can we talk a little bit about uh, gun legislation? Uh, you know, the, the shooting here in Texas was just horrible, as they all are. Um, Beto is now saying that he's talking to Texans who just say, I want to give up my AR. I mean, I don't I don't know a single Texan that would say that, but OK, if that's what you want to do, um, are are we are is the state of Texas firm on the Second Amendment? So what I would say to somebody that wants to give up their AR, I'd say, go ahead. Yeah, me no too. One's stopping, no one's stopping you. That's the, the whole point. And, and, you know, we all know that the Second Amendment was put in place because the founders didn't trust the federal government. They didn't trust the government that they were creating, and they wanted the citizens to have the ability to, to fight back if they ever had to. So I I feel like things are solid in, in Texas. Um, certainly when you have several shootings in a row, people start clamoring for, for sure. solutions, and, sure. and, I, and I'm there for trying to come up with solutions. We're, we're working on solutions, but taking away guns from law-abiding citizens to me, it makes so little sense. I mean, this guy, these guys that walk into, you know, Walmarts or, or churches and shoot people and murder people are not going to follow any gun law. No. It defies common sense. Right. And it's not, we're not, we're not looking into, I don't know if you've seen that uh, series on Netflix, Mindhunter, but it's about the FBI guys that, that originally went in and said, hey, we need to talk to the serial killers and everybody said, why? No, you're just trying to excuse them. No, we're trying to understand them so we can predict. Nobody's talking about actually what's happening in the lives of these kids. They're just saying, take the guns away, take the guns away. Wait a minute. We, we should be looking at what is causing this. These guns have been around for decades and we didn't have this problem. So what is causing it? No, I think that's a, a great point, and I think that's something we, we ought to be doing research on, on these people. We ought to be looking at countries that have, have dealt with this issue. We ought to be looking at maybe even states that have been more successful and find out what is actually working where and, and try to, you know, not reinvent the wheel, but try to follow practices that that help us. Look, we're in a world that's not perfect, and and there's always going to be evil people and there have been since the beginning of time, we're not going to be able to perfectly stop this. But if we put people in a position, say in the Walmart in, in my state, had there been somebody with a weapon, um, apparently there was a guy throwing Coke cans at him to slow him down and he yeah. got shot twice. But Coke cans are not going to you know, slow a shooter down too much. So had there been somebody that could have reacted more quickly, we could have saved lots of lives. Ken, thank you so much. Uh, my best to the, uh, uh, to the governor. Uh, and uh, keep up the good work. God bless. Thanks, I appreciate you having me on. You bet. Ken Paxton, Hi. Attorney General um, of the great state of Texas. That guy is relentless. Ah, uh, they both are. Yeah, uh, they're relentless. They're great. Hey, had you heard the story of the guy that yeah. threw Coke cans at him? Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Throwing that's what cans. you're told to do all the time is throw things at him. Yeah, well, and the guy got shot. He does, and he gets shot. Right. Instead, oh, if he would have not had a Coke can, if he could have just reached behind his back right. and pulled out a gun, he could have shot the guy. Right. 
I mean, that, that's what people just don't understand. And they think mm. because in the 70s we went to this first responder mentality, that that's something that came into the 1970s. Wait for the first responders. No. Americans always knew. You had to take care of it yourself if you, you could. You were the first responder. Mm-hmm. You had a responsibility. Uh, you know, you didn't, you, don't, you didn't wait on the plane for them to crash into the Capitol or the Pentagon or the White House. They were the first responders, mm-hmm. and you got to do what you can do. That guy was a first responder. He was just ill-armed and outmatched. And people just, they don't trust people with guns. They don't trust guns. They see a gun, and so many people freak out. It's a gun, man. It's laying on the desk or it's, you know, wherever, and it's all secure. But they freak out. I don't even want to touch it. Mm-hmm. Okay, a, a healthy fear of a firearm is good. That's not a healthy fear. Oh, I, I don't. Can you move that gun? That's not a healthy fear. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. You are about to meet an endangered species, a comedian without a filter. We're hoping he continues to have one on this program. Welcome, Nick DiPaolo. He is the host of the Nick DiPaolo Show. Uh, and you can find that at nickdip.com, nickdip.com. Uh, his show airs uh, every day, 11 a.m. Eastern. Welcome, Nick. How are you? Good. How you doing, Glenn? Oh, a sad my God. day today. The sad day? I fired my, yeah, I fired my life coach. He's you <laughs> you did. Said, Why yeah. you fire me? I said, "Look, my you're like forty games under five hundred. Look at my career." Right, <laughs> right, yeah. How are you doing with the smoking? I know that because uh, you were vaping for a while, right, to stop smoking. Yeah, yeah. My friends kept saying, "You know, uh, why don't you try one of those e-cigarettes?" And I'm like, "Well, I'd look more manly with a sex toy in my mouth. That's why I want to do that." <laughs> Who, who wants a cigarette with steam coming off the end of it? What am I going to do, your vegetables later? Hey, Bill, got a wrinkle in your pants? But, uh, yeah, I'm doing both now. I don't know which one's more harmful, so now I'm doing both. I'm, I'm, it's not supposed I'm to go so, that way, Nick. I don't know if you know that. It, it's supposed know, to be, yeah, you vape and then you thought, stop vaping. <laughs> but they're trying to scare. Well, the new thing, the new campaign as far as smoking is sitting is the new smoking, Glenn. I don't know if you know that. Uh, in other words, sitting is as bad for you as smoking. If that's true, Stephen Hawking would have died 30 years ago. <laughs> I mean, this guy must have been a three-carton-a-day guy. You know? I, I, I found a new black hole in my lung. Nick, go ahead. I, uh, I, enjoy, I enjoy a good, uh, good smoke, and uh, I just started smoking a year and a half ago. And my friend's like, why would you start at this age? I said, why would you start in your 20s so you'd have cancer in your 40s? I'm timing it out. <laughs> if a doctor tells me I have cancer in 25 years, I'm going to kiss him on the forehead. <laughs> Do you see many happy 80-year-old guys out there? They all have that look on their face. I wish I smoked when I was a kid. You know? so, do you, so do you have a problem with the, the whole stop the vaping thing? I mean, these kids that are dying from it are not doing anything legal. In the, they're not... They're not buying the actual vaping products. They're doing something illegal. Well, yeah. I mean, if you put heroin into a bong, I'm pretty sure it's going to hurt you. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Exactly <laughs> right. Is, uh, 
And by the way, the flavors are delicious. And and, and leave the kids alone. Vanilla, root beer. I mean, uh, I don't even eat dessert anymore. I just vape after <laughs> I have pork. So, uh, you know, uh, Nick, there's a couple of stories that I'd like to get your uh, take on. First, uh, Shane Gillis. He's the guy who was hired by Saturday Night Live. Then they yes. found a video, two videos of him, you know, hanging out on this podcast with his friend, uh, just yeah. saying, just saying, quote, vile things, end quote. Right. What do you think? Yeah, well, I uh, it's funny. I, I direct message him on Twitter and I said, look, I don't know you. I don't know your material, but that's not the point. Keep your chin up. This is about free speech. And then he he uh, emailed me back and he said, well, I opened for you in a comedy club in Magoobies in, Bu- in Baltimore two years ago. <laughs> In so I have no memory. Yeah, that's the name of it, Magobies. Yeah, I think I did that right after Skid Marks in Buffalo. But uh, <laughs> but but uh, my take on that is it's typical NBC, typical Lawn Michaels, typical SNL. They're the biggest hypocrites in the world. They have Alec Baldwin on there for the last two years. Every minute is Alec Baldwin. This mm-hmm. guy, Alec Baldwin, actually called a black journalist a coon and a crackhead. Yet he still does the show. They uh, mm. I, I bring up Tracy Morgan, who, when his wife was pregnant, said, if I have a son and it's gay, I'm going to kill it. He hosted the show within the last year. And, mm. and now they're going to have Eddie Murphy on December 21st. And nobody has made the word more popular than Eddie Murphy's albums. So they're complete hypocrites. Uh, the only thing Shane Gillis could be guilty of is being unoriginal. But it was on a podcast that 11 people are going to hear. And again... I'm going to say this again. Till Please don't make it. it the, don't make it the second F word. Don't say that one again. But go ahead. <laughs> did I say an F word? Yeah, you did. The second F word, not the real F word. Oh, but the oh, new oh, F word. oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay, that's all right. But even in context, I'm. Uh, I know, my, I know, my, I know. My point is, it was an easy call for NBC because he's a straight white Irish guy, so it's a no-brainer. I, I don't want to hear anymore. How how fearless uh, black gay uh, women comedian are. Uh, political correctness does not get them canned. Chappelle will be just fine, and he's a hero of mine, by the way, and he should be. But but there's only uh, the truly edgy comics, uh, older white guys, 57. I love how you referred to my special as a train wreck. Well, there's a ringing in the. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said it's like watching a train. It's very, very <laughs> funny, but it is well, like my, watching. You just know somebody's going to die in the end. <laughs> well, my, my nickname is Amtrak, so you, you weren't that far <laughs> off, to be honest. Uh, you know, but uh, just people get that straight, okay? And, and and I appreciate you bringing up John Stewart, who loves me. Yeah. And I have a bunch of liberal comics who love me. So uh, what I'm saying isn't stuck in 1970. This is how people talked in, in 2016 when they voted for Trump. I will continue to do so until Google knocks on my door, and then, then we'll have a showdown with my guns. But do you know anybody else, Nick, that does what you do? Do you know anybody else that has just not batted an eye at what everybody is saying you can and can't say? Yes, there's an 85-year-old Gambino member. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly no, right. Exactly, good point. exactly right. I don't watch other comics, so you, 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 might be, uh, you, you might be right. By the way, I just saw Mitch McConnell on TV. Yeah. Somebody should have put an amber alert out for his chin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, let, me ask, let me go back to Eddie Murphy for a second. What yeah. happened to that guy? He was like everywhere and then gone. 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe some of the some of the homophobic stuff caught up to him. I don't know. But he made zillions of dollars and he's hosting. And, and like I said, there's a double standard there that makes me sick. But he saved SNL. Lauren Michaels, I'll tell you, when it was really in the dumps, the sixth season, Lauren Michael had quit himself. That's how bad it was. And they hired Eddie Murphy. So, you know, they said he saved the show. Uh, then he did some bad movies where he was talking to animals and yeah, stuff. No, and, that was uh, bad. That was, yeah, that I was mean, not a... He's, taking, he's reading the same scripts as Robert De Niro, apparently. Yeah. But, uh... So let me uh, let me ask you this. How, it, how psychologically difficult is it to be Eddie Murphy and then Eddie Murphy today and think about a, I mean, a comeback? Um... I don't know if it's that he's super, super famous. And again, he's black and he's rich. I don't know if it's that. Uh, can I just say this about Eddie Murphy? I got another thing I to don't tell know. you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you can say it. No, but if you're asking if you could say it because you're not sure, I think the answer should be no. No, 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 no. <laughs> this, this proves that I have street cred. Uh, Reddit, I'm sure you're familiar with Reddit. Somebody... Mm. Chris Rock posted something and somebody put it on Reddit. Chris Rock was being interviewed and he said, there's a white guy out there who I absolutely love. And he says, uh, me and our senior hall love this guy. Definitely a racist. So I see this thing and I, uh, I, I call uh, Chris Rock. I go, were you talking about re- me? And he goes, damn straight to follow. And, and he, and he, said, <laughs> he goes, but it gets better. He goes, you know where we were? He says, we went, we went at, uh, he was at um, Eddie Murphy's house or Arsenio Hall's house. Jamie Foxx was there and uh, a couple other famous black comics who said they absolutely love me. So I don't know, you know. But I, they also comic. say you're a racist. Isn't that a little disturbing? No, because it's coming out of them. Do you really think they like white people? Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Chris Rock loved me. I go, I'm not crazy about you either, man. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I used to bring up ideas and pitch meetings that I have 11 black people staring at me. <laughs> but, uh, but I absolutely love Chris Rock, and that was my favorite job. And, and But the point is, I get famous black people who are f- rich and famous, and the comedians who absolutely love me. For the same reason you do. Um, <laughs> let me uh, <laughs> let me uh, let me let me switch uh, subjects. I, I've got time for one more thing that I I'd love to hear your opinion on. There's a story out today that is slightly different, but it somebody called me about a month ago and said, "Hey, you know these emotional support animals. You know, wait until they put horses on uh, aircrafts." And I said, "Don't laugh. That's about to happen," and it did. Where this woman yeah. brought an emotional support pony, and yes. she didn't have to buy the extra seat. The person sitting next to her had the pony face on their lap the whole time, which is, you're, if you're fat, you got to buy two seats. The pony gets oh. on. No, not a problem. There's well, a- you're right. I've sat, I've sat next to people that are bigger than Shetland ponies. <laughs> so I don't know how this, but, but, uh, but this emotional support, I saw a woman on my last flight, two people had emotional support cats okay can you name another animal on the planet that's more uh emotionally detached (laughs) yeah more emotionally unavailable than a cat (laughs) you you could be committing suicide on your kitchen floor and the cat would walk through your blood to make sure there was some meow mix (laughs) 
Are you kidding me? An emotional support cat. And that yeah, the lady has three emotional support monkeys. Yeah. And the neighbors are dangerous. Usually I, I'm not a litigious guy. They want to sue her. I'm with the neighbors. I am scared of those monkeys. I did the Okay, movie, wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Let me give the story. A Missouri yeah. woman is fighting to keep three monkeys, she says, help her cope with her post-traumatic stress disorder after her neighbors have expressed concern that her monkeys are dangerous. Uh, I believe in the rule of law, if they are considered a dangerous animal, can carry something as nasty as hepatitis, they shouldn't be here. Um, she says this is the only thing that helps her through her day are the three emotional support monkeys. Yes. Um I am just, I am frightened of monkeys. I mean, after that thing in Connecticut, remember that lady? I live there. I live there. This woman. Uh, Are they your monkeys? No, they weren't my monkeys. I wish they were my monkeys, um, but I would have selectively targeted. Um, so this woman had a monkey. It gets out. It was a chimp. Gets out, tears the face off of this this neighbor woman, literally tears her face off. She is so badly damaged. She's had to have surgery after surgery after surgery, and she still uh, is. Oh, yeah. She looks like she looks like a football that Tom Brady let the air of. I just saw a picture of her. (laughs) It's it's Mm. horrible. But let me say, if you're relying on a monkey, an animal that's known for chronic masturbation and flinging feces at each other, you got bigger problems than your neighbor. <laughs> Nick DiPaolo, thank you so much. Nick DiPaolo from NickDip.com. He's got a podcast every day you can listen to. He is, he is very politically incorrect. Uh, but, uh, well, I think he would say, but black people love him. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. All right, welcome back to the uh, Glenn, Glenn Beck program. Glenn, hey. Hello. Hey, Glenn. Yes, hello. Yeah, hi, this is Mohammed Ibn al-Hassan al-Mahdi here. You know, the, the 12th Imam you've been talking about? You're the 12th Imam. Right. And look, I'm just channeling myself into your frequency right now because, uh, frankly, I'm sick of all your lies. You're sick of the, You're the 12th Imam. And the you're, 12th Imam. You're contacting right. us from the well. Yes, I'm channeling myself. Uh, I have that power right. as the 12th Imam. By the way, can I just clear something up here? Yes. I am not the 12th Imam in those photos with Ilan Omar and her dad. <laughs> Right, that's it, not... It's just a coincidence. It's a coincidence, I'm, okay. I'm pictured with her and her dad. That's just a guy <laughs> whose nickname is the 12th Imam. <laughs> right. Okay. That's all that is. Okay, all right, good. Still, listen, Thank I you. heard you with that DePaolo guy. Yes. Well, you got to stop that. You, right. you, you can't have him on anymore. Uh, you, you don't like Nick DePaolo. Because no, if you don't, I mean, I look, I don't like to make threats, but your blood will run like the River Nile in the streets, and buzzards will pick at your disgusting <laughs> right, okay. fat carcass. All right, thank you. I, I appreciate that. We'll take that under advisement. So uh, uh, so you've been in the well for... Uh, for a while now. For a while now. Yeah. And you are the 12th. Right. I don't know, not that I know there's a difference between the other... No, I... Uh, I, I, I 
uh, let me tell you the story if I could. Okay. All right. Keep it short. Uh, because I was in, I'm in that well in Samaria that uh, I fell into back when I was four years old. You fell in four uh, years just old. Just kidding, no. I'm, I'm the twelfth mom. I don't fall. Right. Okay. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. My mom actually uh, put me down the well. Your mom put you in the well. I still remember that beautiful morning when she said to me, "Sweetie, you'll be safe down here. I'll be right back to right. pull you back up." Right. And so she, she gave me a tuna fish sandwich and a falafel, and she lowered me down. I've been there ever since. You really? That year was. Uh, that was back in eight seven. 873. 873. And, you, and you've survived this whole time on that tuna fish sandwich right. and falafel. Yeah, I, I've just been pacing myself, you know, little bites yeah. at a time. Right. Uh, but look, safety first. The tuna fish sandwich has not been in the sun. Okay. All right. So it's, uh, uh, so it's yeah. good. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so, so what have you been working on that whole time? Oh, I, I, I've been doing a lot of stuff down here. I've been mm. working on free universal Fidel health care. Infidel health care? Yes. I didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, it's, it's shocking that you're aware I, of. The, uh, well, I'm aware of virtually everything. Right. Uh, I am the 12th mom after all. Well, yes. But the universal infidel health care includes, let's say you have a brain tumor. Yeah, okay. We that by cutting your head off. Okay. Uh, All right. Like, what if you have combination skin or the heartbreak of psoriasis? Right. You we cut just, your head off. You cut you do the Now, women's birth control health care is a little bit different. Okay. First, we flog you, and then we cut your head off. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that sounds, you know, like uh, something that, you know... Um, is interesting uh, right. for the Middle East. It's, uh, it's really so. You're going to come back out of the well, and you're going to introduce universal health care. Is that? I well, mean, is, yes, among other things. I didn't. I mean, I didn't know that you were up to speed on what what's. Well, here's the thing. Uh, back in '07, mm-hmm. uh, some clumsy moron dropped an iPhone down here. Right. And, uh, so I've been able to follow along with some of the stuff that's been going on. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're following it. The twelfth mom. You can speak to me from the well. Am I not doing that? right now yeah but not what on part a, of this do you not understand well i just think it's amazing and then now you're watching us on a on a cell well, phone well i am and i've been very interested in your uh, in your election campaign these uh, i'm a big supporter of a lot of those candidates who are running for president right really? now in america really uh, like uh, like uh, who you who you a big fan of oh uh, i'm loving that beto guy you, I, yeah i you, you know what i think he should do i think right. he should hell yes he should take your guns right and he shouldn't stop at ar15s and ak47s he should take them all yeah take them all that he, would be good for america that'd be great for america you'd be a lot safer right Oh, would be a lot safer. Would we? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's coming right from. So is this this kind of like spiritual advice from the twelfth mom? Yes, it's exactly like spiritual right. advice. Have you, you know, talked to Have you talked to Beto or anybody here in Texas about giving uh, up their gun? Not yet. I don't have very good cell coverage down <laughs> right. here. So okay. Uh, you know, but okay. I, I've been trying to get a hold of you for a long time. Really? My imam powers are fading a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you got this whole thing on Iran wrong. Really? Uh, yeah, you really do. So wait a minute. So the the mullahs are not just the, the, that you don't have to worry about them trying to bring you back, right? And uh, and wash the world in blood. Uh, it, it, exactly. Okay. Uh, the, the mullahs, what, mullahs one through six, uh, the imams one through six. Uh-huh. Uh They uh, they were uh, they were working on some things that didn't really work out. So I, I had to kill all six of them. <laughs> wait, I don't think that's what happened to them, but. Yeah, well, right. a lot of people don't know that story, right, okay. uh, but they do. All right. Anyway, look, I, I've gotten a little bit bored lately, so the other day I channeled into the Iranians, uh-huh. and I said, hey, it's 12 here, 
Yeah. It's time to start attacking the Israelis. Wait, did you call them on the phone or through this panelist channeling? Well, I wasn't getting. I only had one bar at the time, so I had to channel. All uh, right, okay. But just then, at the worst possible moment, my channel cut off. Right. And instead of Israelis, I guess they thought I said Saudis. Saudis. Well, next thing you know, right? Old Jeb's a millionaire. You're just kidding. That was a little cultural blast from the past there. Yeah, cultural appropriation. Right, right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Just a friendly reminder for you, though. I am climbing out of this well pretty soon. Right. And uh, when I do, of course, I'll be killing 70 to 80% of the world's okay. population. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. That is the 12th of Mom. The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand.